You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? As day two, and I have yet to come down from my beating Georgia high. It's a pretty good high. I mean, I'm, I don't know if it's as good as a doobie because I've never had a doobie, but I assume that it's doobie-esque. No comment. It's doobie-us. <laughs> no comment. Uh, anyway, you're right. I mean, it's been a lot of fun. Frankly, I have gone to YouTube on multiple occasions and fast-forwarded to the part where we throw the 90-yard touchdown pass to Jalen Waddle because it's just that badass. Meanwhile, I want to give the Locked On Dogs people some credit because I took a listen to their podcast, and they were not uh, just firing uh, flaming arrows at the officials or anything like that. They, they basically said the better team won, which I appreciate. And I appreciate their candor and, and taking it like that because there have been several other Georgia fans who have not taken it quite so well. In fact, one of them wrote the, oh my God, I, the maybe the bitchiest uh, letter I've ever <laughs> read in my life to uh, uh, an open letter to SEC officiating. I mean, it's so comical to me. It's so comical to me that people continue to blame officials for game losses, especially one that they lost by 17 um, when they had the lead at halftime. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's just so dumb. And it, it also goes back to the fact to me that we don't deserve as fans to have things like instant replay and several camera angles, because all that does is piss us off when we notice the slightest nuance that we couldn't possibly observe if we were officials ourselves on the field. And so that it, we deserve one camera angle, kind of like, you know, how when you watch a high school game on Facebook live now, there's one dude taping the game from his iPhone it's one angle it's on the 50 and when one team is on the goal line on the other end you can barely tell what's going on and vice versa so that's the angle we as fans deserve because we all bitch too much especially Georgia fans about every single call or non-call yeah I remember I think I was at a high school game last year watching prospects and uh one team was like the best team in the state and the other in their classification, the other team was really bad. And it was 31 to nothing at the half. And I was sitting on the, the, in the stands with the really bad team. Of course, I don't know anybody. I'm there watching prospects. I'm there by myself watching prospects, but you can't help but hear all the things going on around you. And uh, the, the fans were just nonstop bitching about the officiating. <laughs> I mean, I want to say, Guys, if there were no officials on the field whatsoever, this game would be worse than 31 to nothing. You're lucky those officials are here. If they weren't and the other team just decided to kick your ass on every snap, it would be 59 to nothing. You're lucky uh, the officials are keeping some order out there. And they're, uh, they're down 31 nothing, and they're like, oh, these, they, they, you know, uh, they must have bought their officials with them. Yeah, I mean, it just, it's just that one guy was saying – that apparently they've tracked down one of the officials. I don't even know which official it was or whatever, but apparently uh, he 
is a realtor in Tuscaloosa or something, or at least sells real estate in Tuscaloosa. I mean, this is so pathetic. And the other thing that is good that all these folks are going to do, and this goes for Alabama fans who like to complain about officials too every week, that, you know, you're going to make it where people just don't want to be officials anymore. They already have that problem in the AHSA and little leagues. Nobody wants to coach or uh, referee little league games anymore because it's just these helicopter parents come out there and just complain about everything that could possibly happen. Just, just go watch the damn game. Be happy. Anyway, that's, that's a whole nother thing, but I did. uh, The tears were delicious. And the, I mean, it would just be so nice if one day somebody said, you know what, Alabama just beat us. Cause that's exactly what went down. That's all that was. And if they play again, Georgia may win the next time. I think they're going to have to make a quarterback change, but they could win the next time. So um, anyway, uh, I got something. I got a little what if for you that I want to do in the next segment, not this segment, but uh, did you see Coach Saban's now deleted video of him dancing with the players in the locker room? I did. I did. And uh, I was uh, entertained. It was entertaining. And it also makes me wonder, like, why does that have to be deleted? Is that really that awful? I mean, I just, you know, Saban just doesn't seem to want things like that to get out for some reason. I mean, like, I, right. But whatever. Okay. I wonder I, if it was COVID. I wonder if it was COVID related in the sense that, oh, that's a good point. You know, Saban and COVID was in the news all week and our, our team wasn't exactly socially distanced while they uh, danced the jig. Uh, or or what, what whatever these kids call uh, the, those dance moves that that Saban was doing and the others. Um, uh, maybe it was COVID related because we weren't really socially distanced wearing masks there. No, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that because I don't think there was any social distancing whatsoever. Of course, the the uh, reasonable person in me, the realist, says, you know, they did just play a football game where we're swapping everything except uh i mean every conceivable right. bodily fluid except one hopefully <laughs> <laughs> well let's hope we didn't swap that one but you know uh, i've yet to hear of i've yet to hear of this and maybe i'm the one that maybe it maybe it happens every week but i've yet to hear of a doctor or scientist anywhere or report credible report that claims one team uh, had some positive players and gave it to the other team in a game. I, I, I have not seen anything say that. Um, and we know there have been positive players playing games because there has been some Sunday and Monday positives, uh, both in college and the NFL. But I have yet to hear a report that says anyone caught COVID during a game from the other team uh, even at the high school level, I've yet to hear that, but may- maybe it's all out there and I've missed it. Yeah, I, I don't, I can't, I have nothing to add there because I hadn't heard it either. So if if it's something neither of us have heard, it's hard to really expound on yeah. it. I guess really. Yeah, and we <laughs> stay mean, on the Twitter is pretty good. We we stay on the Twitter is pretty good between the two of us. Yeah, that's true. Um, also, want to tell everybody about RockAuto.com. Go to RockAuto.com for any of your auto part needs. 
Um, you always want to check out rockauto.com before you or, or right after you get an estimate and just see if they can help you with pricing. It, it, it certainly cannot hurt for you to give them a try and see if they can help you save a few dollars on that chassis or on that windshield wiper or whatever it is you need. There are all these increasing numbers of makes and models of cars from Kias and Fiats and Pacificas and XT5s and a whole bunch of other call letters. I don't even know what's going on. Uh, but you, you know, you can go to rockauto.com. They will have everything that your car could possibly need there at rockauto.com. All the parts your car could ever need. And you want to let them know that you heard about them from the Locked On family of networks. So use promo code Locked On in their promo box there. And finally, want to tell everybody about Coors Light. Look, this is a new sponsor. We appreciate these guys so much. Um, you know, do you ever feel like you were you, – you always have to be on, and then when you get home, you just want to chill, you want to relax, everything's go, go, go. Well, just go home, have a Coors Light. That's what that guy should have done before he wrote that letter to the SEC officials. He should have gone home, had a Coors Light, and realized, you know, this is a bad decision. Coors Light is made to chill. Yeah, we lost the game in Tuscaloosa. A lot of teams do that. They lose in Tuscaloosa. And so after that, you just have a Coors Light, you chill out, and you realize, hey, we got a chance to maybe play play them later on. We can still do this thing. And that's what you want to do uh, after having this Coors Light. It's made to chill. Go to CoorsLight.com and check them out as well. They have a great new website. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. So we do want you to celebrate responsibly, Alabama fans, and it's part of Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, Jimmy, I do have this what if for you I want to throw out there. All righty. You know, what all if the- you drank Coors Light, ate Built Bar, and drove to your next next location on a chassis you bought from Rock Auto? Oh, I think you'd be what a if? In my book, you're a winner. Um, so, all right. I, you know, we were talking about the game the other day about, uh, you know, Saban's choice. There are all these little choices. I think it's fair to say that Alabama and Georgia are probably the two most talented teams top to bottom in the country. Now Clemson's in the discussion, in the discussion, but I think, I think that you could say Georgia's probably most talented NFL player wise and Alabama's right there or vice versa. Now, so there's a there's a an envelope uh, thickness worth of difference between the two. So what makes the difference in the game usually is uh, you know maybe some sprinkles some some preparation maybe some uh, choices that are made by the coaches. And I think one of those uh, choices that was made, of course, we talked about it was Nick Saban's choice to be aggressive right before halftime. It led to a field goal, 52 yard field goal that wasn't just worth three points. It was worth more than that for the momentum and the confidence, what have you now. But it, it got me to thinking today, cause I had a lot of driving to do. And I started thinking about, um, Alabama and Nick Saban's choice to put into a Tungvaluwa at the half of the national championship game against Georgia. Now, Look, in hindsight, well, of course you put in Tua Tungvaluwa. I mean, why the hell not? I mean, it works out, right? Yes. 
But in the moment, I was in the stadium, I, and not that that makes me any smarter. I just wanted to tell everybody I was in the stadium. Um, I was there, and I'm telling you that I was talking to other Alabama fans. They were like, "It's I don't want to put a, a freshman in who hadn't been in a spot like this. I'd rather just – Jalen Hurts always finds a way, yada, yada, yada. Saban had to make a choice to do that, and he did, and it panned out. That's kind of what makes him Saban. Meanwhile, on the other side, Kirby Smart had to make a choice. Now, it's not that simple because it's not like he chose Jake Fromm over Justin Fields, just like that's black and white kind of thing, no pun intended. <clears throat> but he he did essentially make the choice to go with Jake Fromm over Justin Fields, which led to Justin Fields, rightly or wrongly, claiming that Georgia was an uncomfortable place for him and he goes to Ohio State and whatever. But my what if is this. What if Kirby Smart had somehow, some way maneuvered the the roster as well as, or maneuvered the quarterback room as well as Saban had with Tua and Hurts, and kept both of them? And hurt, and let's say I don't think there's any doubt that Fields would have eventually taken the starters' mantle last year for George and would be the starter this year. So I think it's very very fair to say they wouldn't have lost to South Carolina last year. And, it, and at the very worst, they, they might have still lost to LSU, but they would have been in the playoff. So they would have made the playoff last year, I believe. And this year, I think they would have had a damn good shot to beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa because the difference in the game was clearly the quarterback, which Georgia doesn't have one, all because of the choice that was made about Justin Fields a while back. Well, um, oh, all those are, are excellent points. So much of it is so clear in retrospect. You know, uh, though at the time, uh, all of the moves that you're talking about feel, at at that time, feel pretty revolutionary. Uh, I I mean, even getting back to to putting Tua in at halftime, uh, I was not there, long story. Uh, I was not there and was watching uh, uh, on multiple channels. And at halftime, when it was brought up that should Alabama change quarterbacks, Gene Chizik, whose opinion I respect greatly, who's one of the great analysts in college football today, a national championship winning coach, certainly been around the block. Chizik was like beside himself, uh, almost almost scoffing at the idea that you would that you would replace Jalen Hurts with anybody with his track record and 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 the fact that he's come back to win games, you know, at the end. Uh, and Chizik ended up, you know, of course, being really wrong about what Saban did and the fact that, that time proved Saban was 100% right. Um, but I think replacing Fromm with Fields feels, feels so correct today because Fromm struggled a little bit last year and ended up being a fifth-round pick. And Justin Fields is, is mentioned in all the Heisman talk, and, and, it, and it feels like Kirby picked the wrong horse there. But gosh, at the time, uh, <laughs> Jake Fromm was – you know, was arguably working on a resume of being one of the all-time greats in Georgia history. No, that's uh, true. It's, it's, it's tough when, I mean, the idea that we would replace Mac with Bryce Young today feels ludicrous. But let's just say three years from now, when, when Bryce Young is, is going to be a, a top 10 pick in the draft and has won a Heisman and, uh, and, and, and Mac Jones, uh, goes to the NFL and is a mid-round pick and is cut after a year, we might look back on 2020 going, why, why did we not play Bryce Young? He's a better player. 
So, so I mean, I, I'm just saying in retrospect, uh, it's easier to make those calls. But at the time, uh, whew, it's tougher. I applaud uh, on that same subject, Luke, uh, which is a really good subject. I applaud somebody like Dabo who, who benched Kelly Bryant. Yeah. Um, he benched Kelly Bryant who had won a ton of games. In fact, down at Texas A&M, I remember this, they, they, they played Trevor Lawrence a lot, uh, had to take Trevor out, and Kelly Bryant came in and saved the game, uh, a road game that Clemson won. Two weeks later, Dabo's going, you know what, we're going with Trevor Lawrence. And, and it, it would have been fine at the time for people to say, Dabo, you're crazy, but that move helped Clemson win the national championship. I, I have no doubt that Clemson won the national championship because Trevor Lawrence was their quarterback in 2018 and not Kelly Bryant. So in that vein, my advice to Kirby Smart, and I know he listens to the show and he's not going to do anything until he hears from me, but my advice is, look, Stetson is a nice dude and a good player and fans underrate kids like him all the time. But the fact is, if you want to accomplish something this season, if you want to get to Atlanta and possibly beat an Alabama uh, if you want to beat Florida, I, I would I would go with a higher upside guy. You know, if JT Daniels is healthy, do go with him. If not, just just go back to Mathis. You know, who's who's a higher upside guy because I, I just don't think Stetson Bennett and that Stetson Bennett offense is going to be good enough to beat an Alabama and probably not even a Florida. That's no, just my I agree. Opinion, Kirby. No, I, I totally agree, and and I mean it is tougher in a sense for Georgia because in that particular SEC title game in 2018, um, Jake Fromm was having arguably the best game of his life. But see, that to me is, is the way Saban handled the Hurts Tua stuff, where Hurts was the starter. You know, in, in 17, Hurts was the starter, but Tua would come in and he'd let Tua do his thing. You know, he you know did his yeah. thing against Vanderbilt, and everybody's like, "Holy shit!" He just spun out of a tackle and then just slung it up there for Judy for a touchdown or maybe Devontae Smith. I can't remember which one uh, for a touchdown. That was unreal. And then, uh, you know, he throws, he's throwing darts to Henry Ruggs against Tennessee that same year, even though he threw a pick six in that game. Um, You know, he brought him, he didn't make it where it was like a controversy. Hertz was still the clear starter, but we got to see enough of Tua where we were like, Oh shit, this guy is awesome. And then, the word starts leaking out more and more from practice insiders. And in and, and my instance, uh, I got to see the practice before the Clemson semi-playoff game, uh, semi-final game, uh, and, and I said, holy shit, two is so much better than Hurts, but you can't bench Hurts because he, he doesn't lose. Yes, he just lost to Auburn, but it didn't matter because we were in the playoffs. So, I mean, who cared about that anymore? Um, but Hurts doesn't lose. And then when Hurt started losing, it was a little easier to make the substitution. Georgia really wasn't having that problem with losing. Um, they, you know, Fromm was doing pretty doggone well, and he had won a, uh, you know, an SEC title and everything uh, the year before. But you know, he Kirby did stuff like put uh, just Justin Fields seemed to go in like on the third drive sometimes for random reasons. Right. And it's like, you know, you're sending a real mixed message to everybody there. You should have said, Fromm's the guy. Now I'm going to put Fields in more, blowing people out, and let him do his thing, and then slowly let that take over, be, be more, a little bit more organic. And he also put Fields in on that dumbass fake punt, which, uh, you know, which probably did a lot to hurt his confidence too and probably made him 
sort of the villain to a couple of people, even though it clearly wasn't his fault. But my point is that I think really good coaches have that sixth sense about when to make a move like that. And Saban clearly had a good sixth sense about it. And I don't know that Kirby did have a great sixth sense because here's the thing. If, if, as I mentioned, if Justin Fields were still at Georgia, there's no doubt in my mind they would have been in the playoffs last year and they would probably be like easily headed for the playoffs this year. Now they may still go, but I don't see how, unless Stetson Bennett hit the growth spurt, I don't think they're going. Yeah, I think in some of what you said, and I think this sums it up pretty good, and, and, and this is my, my take from the outside, but uh, Kirby butchered the quarterback room when he had Fromm, Eason, and Fields. He butchered it, screwed it up. They all left. They all could be playing college football at Georgia right now, all three of them. Oh, None of them do. Kirby butchered that. And then, inexplicably, like less than a year later, he had a quarterback room with Jamie Newman and JT Daniels. He screwed that up. I mean, Jamie Newman's gone. JT Daniels still isn't playing. He butchered the JT Daniels, Jamie Newman quarterback room. So, good God. Yeah. I mean, uh, and and meanwhile, Nick has Tua and Jalen Hurts, the two highest drafted quarterbacks at Alabama since the mid 70s. That's 45 (laughs) years. 45 years. The two highest drafted quarterbacks he had on the team at the same time. They both left Gumps, both of them. Jalen played somewhere else. He loves Alabama. He, he still doesn't feel like he was missing. He still does. It is yeah, crazy. Yeah. And he I, doesn't I, feel I mistreated. Jalen never felt mistreated. Uh, Tua never felt mistreated. Now, he was getting frustrated, and you can't tell me Jalen Hurts wasn't frustrated. Of course he was. But but they they still both put the team first, and they both came through for Alabama. And they both, to this day, do a lot for Alabama and will continue to. All right, Jimmy, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to skip around the SEC for just a minute. I know this is locked on Bama, but Bama is in the SEC, so we're going to talk about some SEC stuff. Um, you know, obviously, LSU-Florida was the other big game that and it got postponed, and uh, that's, a, that's a thing. Uh, Kentucky-Tennessee, um, yeah, Kentucky – I think it's pretty clear to me to Kentucky has at least the second best defense in the SEC and Tennessee looks pretty discombobulated and they just fired former offensive d- defensive lineman, Jimmy Brumbaugh as their defensive line coach. And I was listening to Feinbaum this afternoon and they had a Tennessee insider on and he basically said, um, all I know is they went in to watch film and about 30 minutes later, Jimmy Brumbaugh was fired. So they, they were watching film. Jeremy Pruitt either said something that, that to Brumball or vice versa, and things got sideways, and it's bye-bye now. Crazy, crazy. I have a hard time believing that feelings will get hurt in a 30-minute film review. Things must have been on shaky ground prior. I mean, there must have been prior issues it's just – it's like, what are you going to do when, when you fire – I mean, it's, I guess it's Tennessee, so we don't think – but what would happen – let's say Alabama this week, say Nick Saban fires Freddie Roach, you know, same position. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I mean, I guess we would have to promote – now, we do have a, a team of analysts at Alabama that I guess could get promoted, like Charlie Strong, who I have no idea has he ever coached a defensive line. I don't know. We'd have to switch things around. I, I, I don't know what would happen, but the point is firing a position coach – Mid-season, 
I mean, who are you getting to come in? I mean, are you just promoting a, an analyst or a GA or you're going to bring in somebody from the outside that doesn't know even the terminology? How are they going to learn that in a week? Um, yeah. You know, so it, it must have been really bad. Uh, Jeremy's no, no dummy. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what the situation is just yet, but uh, I do know that uh, Tennessee is better than they looked against Kentucky. This is the same team that was undefeated, uh, leading or tied with Georgia at halftime in Athens. They were leading. So, yeah, leading at halftime in Athens while they were undefeated going into the game. So Alabama fans don't need to think that what they saw last week against Kentucky is the Tennessee that you're going to get Saturday. Uh, it, it's been a wacky year like that. Alabama's done the same thing where, you know, if you'd have told me, watching Alabama play defense against Ole Miss, that the following week Alabama would shut out Georgia over thirty minute a 30-minute period in the second half. I never would have believed it. So you sort of get a different team every week in college football, and Alabama fans shouldn't assume that the Tennessee team that got drilled by Kentucky is the same Tennessee team that Alabama will see Saturday. And, you know, look, we can poot around with some of these other games if you want to, but I think the game – that uh, interested the most Alabama fans, of course, was Auburn in South Carolina. And I don't know what in the world's going on at Auburn, but I can tell you this, just living in the Alexander City area, I think Gus is is a cooked goose. Now, maybe he's not fired this year because of coronavirus and, and budgetary concerns or whatever, but it seems clear to me they're done with him. Um, I know this as an Alabama fan who's been done with coaches before, they seem put out, just exasperated with all things Gus Malzahn right now, and and they're they're not real fired up about Bo Nix, as a matter of fact. That's right. Yeah. Um. It, to me, it's just personnel. I think you know. I, I think you're right. I I think the the majority of Auburn fans and the ones that matter have uh, given up on Gus and haven't even lost to Ole Miss yet. I, I think I think this upcoming weekend, Luke, uh, we'll see when we do our prediction show on Friday. But as of right now, I'm leaning towards predicting Alabama to beat Tennessee right about where the line is, you know, around 20 points, 40 to 20, somewhere around there. Uh, but uh, I think all of the three other SEC games could all be upsets. I, I like Ole Miss to beat Auburn. I like South Carolina to beat LSU. Um, I like Missouri to beat Kentucky. Um Ooh. So, so, I mean, let, let's see, let's see how we're feeling when Friday rolls around, but geez. And, and, and the way I describe this on Crimson Country Club, and I'll describe it quickly here, and this is why I feel that way, is after this weekend, you know, you, you, it's, it's like a jumble, it's like alphabet soup that you spill, you know, every, every week, it's going to come out with the letters in different orders, but in general, Right now, the way I feel about the SEC is Alabama is one and Georgia is two, and those two are really tight. It's like, like you said earlier, not much separates one and two. Then there's a little bit of a drop-off to three and four, which is Texas A&M and Florida, and probably not much separates them. I know A&M played them and beat them, but, you know, if they played in Gainesville the next week, maybe Florida wins that game. Uh, but I think three and four are Texas A&M and Florida who aren't as good as Alabama-Georgia. Then there's a big drop to number five. But I don't know who number five is because five through 13, five through yeah. 13, they're all the same. They're all the same teams to me. I mean, I think anybody 
in that group, so I'm talking about LSU, South Carolina, Arkansas, Auburn, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, uh, Kentucky, Missouri, I'm talking about all of them, Tennessee, I, I think all of them can beat the others week to week, and who the hell knows, 5 through 13, when they play each other, who the hell knows, and, and 14 way, way behind everybody else's Vanderbilt, who's not going to win a game, you know, in the league this season. Uh, they're not good at all, so they're, they're way back at that. But that's what I'm saying about 5 through 13 to me, which is the story is I suppose every one of those teams is going to finish 5 and 5 or 6 and 4 or 4 and 6. I mean, uh, I think they're just all bunched up. It's going to be a wild ride, and that's what makes this season kind of fun to me. I mean, like, really, now that Miles Brennan may be out at LSU for a little bit, this could make that South Carolina game, I mean, much more spicy. Um, so, yeah, and then the Auburn-Ole Miss game is going to be another fun uh, brunch with Malzahn at 11 o'clock, you know. So, um, all right, buddy. I mean, what's the, what, how's Auburn going to score in that game? I mean, Ole Miss's <laughs> defense is re- really bad. Ole Miss's defense is bad, but Auburn's offense can't score against air. And I know Ole Miss is a little better than air. But what I'm thinking is they're coming off that seven turnover game. They're going to work, work a lot on that, really emphasize ball security. I think you're going to see an Ole Miss offense very similar to the one that Alabama saw. And uh, if it turns into a track meet, Auburn's not built, built to win a track meet, even against Ole Miss. No, I agree. And if our, if Bo Nix keeps just throwing up backyard football ducks like he did, I mean, Seth Williams can't win every jump ball. Hey, he won one against South Carolina this past week. Nick should have at least had four picks, if not more than that. I mean, that, that ball that I'm talking about was completed for about a 35, 40-yard gain, and it was just a, I mean, just a Hail Mary for no reason. And uh, luckily for him, Seth Williams can jump out the gym and was focused on that particular play because uh, he went up and got that one. But that's not going to happen against really, really good defenses. Uh, not that Ole Miss is a really good defense. It's just that, uh, you know, who knows? I, I don't even know what I want to happen anymore because I don't know that I want Auburn to fire Gus Malzahn. I don't know that I don't want him to fire Gus Malzahn. And I don't know if I want Lane Kiffin to win or not. I'm all confused myself. Um, but that's good. That's Gus, good gets, Gus gets twenty-one million if he gets fired. Twenty-one yeah, million. Gus isn't confused. He's like, fire me. I don't give a damn. You fire me and then write a check. Thanks for shopping. Um, all right, Jimmy. That's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Bama. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Please be sure to follow us on all the social media platforms that we're on, however many of them there are, and to subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate you guys and roll time. Roll time.